All right. Mark here for the Mark 2.0. Got a great guest for you today. Gordon, take it away. I'm thrilled. I'm uh, as excited for any guest we've had on. We've had actors, we've had singers, we have had authors, we have had inspiring speakers. But Mr. Arnett's message that he has for us, I think, is something that is very much needed in today's world. We're talking about a man who uh, built an enormous career in Hollywood and then walked away from it over his faith. Uh, Mr. Arnett, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate being here. All right. Uh, I, I know you've told this story many times, uh, but you know, you, 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 had a, a very, you were in the Hollywood industry, you were building your career, building your reputation on shows like Miami Vice, on Doogie Howser, China Beach. I mean, it's a huge list. And then you got, you know, the, everything you work toward in a Hollywood career. Mm -hmm you were faced with a seminal decision and you, 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 you turned your back on it. But the, yeah. Tell you us know, that story. Well, yeah, again, you know, um, I was at that point in time in my life, you know, um, things going very well, um, the episodics and all those kind of things. And I was in, as a matter of fact, in Toronto, Canada, and I was doing a, a movie of the week. Um, and of course, while you're there, I mean, you guys had such a phenomenal uh, incentive program with the arts and everything else. There was everybody was up there in Jurassic Park folk. Every, I mean, it was just, you know, you know how how you you look around and you pinch yourself like, what am I doing here? You know, all these phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal actors. You know, Armand Asante, we in the same, in the same elevator. You know, talk, saying hello to people. It's just crazy. And so I'm over here doing a movie of the week in Toronto. My um, manager calls me and says, Hey, they really want to see you for this role. They they they're really high on you. And they they ask for you by name. And so when I finished doing that. Uh, ended up uh, heading back home to LA and audition process and all these well-known actors and everything else and ended up getting the role. And um, on our, well, my my manager and I were having a discussion and we were about to, you know, of course, call my agent and, you know, sign on the dotted line and everything else. And then uh, finally we got in touch with them and they said, well, you know, they need Cameron to do partial body nudity. And, you know, I'm like, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I can't do that. And, you know, my manager knew that, you know, and he had no problem with it. And so we got back in touch with the agents and uh, the agents were like, well, you know what, let's talk to the producers. And they came back with, hey, you know, Cameron doesn't have to do the partial body nudity. He can do the acting and uh, we'll give him a body double. And so I'm thinking that that's going to be fine. So, you know, we're, we're happy about it, you know. And, um, cause, you know, this is something that, you know, if you would have asked anyone, that's what, that's what you said, that's what you're working for is to finally have your, your, your big shot. And um, I felt the Lord tap me on the shoulder and say, you have to shun even the appearance of evil and people will think it's you. And so I, you know, turned back and I said, hey, you know, I can't do it. And um, when I did that, all hell broke loose, lost everything and everyone, agent dropped me, you know, the whole shebang, ended up bankrupt, ended up, you know, evicted, you know, uh, ended up living in the back room of a woman's house who was on welfare. And so it was, you know, uh, a very much, you know, being fed by the ravens kind of an issue. And um, from that point on, I didn't realize what was going on then. I, I, I of course, looking backwards, you, you get it. But God was basically unraveling a life that I had put together myself, that I had, you know, uh, done. And um, at the end of all of that unraveling, 
of who I was, what I was identified with, what I thought that was, you know, you know, cameraed on that, that kind of stuff. Um, all that left me. And um, I ended up, making a long story short, ended up uh, coming to Atlanta, um, pastored, uh, went into full-time ministry, never thought I'd be acting again, uh, pastored for like 18 years, my wife and I, my new wife and I, um, um, pastored for, like I said, 18 years. And in the midst of those 18 years um, is when God started giving me this dream about this character. And I thought he wanted me to write it. And so I started writing, it was like a week long, I'm writing this, 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 this uh, character down, I'm like trying to write a script. And about a week goes by, my wife gets invited to a woman's tea and they say, hey, you know, we're doing this Christian film and we want such and such an actor that's in LA because they knew we had ties to LA. And, and she had heard on her way to the tea, you don't need him, you need Cameron Arnett. And she didn't know why. But when they asked her about this actor, she said to them, you don't need him, you need Cameron Arnett. And it was God connecting the dots. And so when they when she said that to them, they were like, oh, will he come? I mean, you know, that kind of thing. So she came home and told me, hey, they want you to audition for this role. And frankly, it was one of those, how dare you ask me that question moments. I, I looked at her and just like walked away because I hated the thought of being back to that kind of a thing. I had no love for the whole uh, atmosphere of Hollywood. You know, I was done and I was happily done. And so when she said that to me, I just walked away. Like for another week though, God still kept on giving me that dream. And at the end of that next two weeks, he said, I want you to go for this one. And, and anybody who knows me knows that I hate auditioning. And so, <laughs> and so I go to this one because God said, I want you to go to this one. And when I get there, what I find is that the character that I was writing, that he was giving me the dream of, was a character that was being, um, um, I, that I was auditioning for. And it, it, you know, it was one of those moments that you just stop and you realize how deep God is and how succinct he is and how on point he is um, because I couldn't have made that up and I couldn't have written the exact same role um, without anybody telling me anything but by the Holy Spirit. And so I saw God do things in that audition that I knew wasn't me. And I knew that I, I don't have the, I, I, I'm a terrible auditioner. I'm, I'm a very good performer, but I'm a terrible auditioner, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that one. And, and so I saw him do stuff that I know that I couldn't do. Um, and so that was the beginning point of where I am now. And so from that point on, I, I came out of that, got the role, did the part. In the middle of doing that, I said, okay, Lord, now, if this is really you, you know who I am, you know my frame, you know, I hate auditioning. Give me what you want. I'm not going to chase this. I, you know, I'm done with chasing after the accolades and after all that kind of stuff. I'm, all I want to do is chase God, have God, do everything else through God. I'm, that's, that's who I am now. And so I said, Lord, you know, if it's you, then give me what you want without me having to audition. And I, I tell you what, in the last eight, eight or nine years, I've done about at least 30 films, film and TV. And um, I, I, the first one I auditioned for, the second one um, that I even auditioned for, it was kind of like a, uh, uh, an exercise because they, they basically knew that that's who God said that I was the one. And, um, and that's it, you know, and I haven't really, and I have no audition for anything, for anything. And, and so that, you know, again, showed me that this is what God wants for me. 
And the, on this side of things, as far as, you know, doing the faith-based films and everything else, um, I, I'm only representing Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And therefore, it's a whole new ballgame. You know, um, this is not this is ministry, another form of ministry. Um, but this is all about making him known and, and having the platform to be able to speak to people and let them know how much God is in love with them and um, how faithful he is. Because he's definitely shown himself. Um, if, if, for, me, for me not to trust God at this point would, would embarrass me because he's been that faithful. Now, you were in Hollywood. You were knee, knee, waist deep, neck deep in the industry. Mm -hmm. And the general perception is, and certainly one that I hold, is that Hollywood is the polar opposite of... Uh, it's it's got to be as unchristian an environment from my, uh, as there is. Right. And how did you navigate all those years when you were building up your career? Well, you know, uh, wh what we have to understand is that, you know, there's been an evolution of, of Hollywood as well. Yes. You know, I mean, when we take a look at the beginnings of Hollywood, Hollywood was in, 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 in the hands of Jewish people that are in love with God, Cecil B. DeMille, those kind of people. They, they, had, they had a code of ethics, you know, and as a matter of fact, at a certain point in time, there was a, a, a Christian, if you would, um, um, entity that actually looked through scripts to make sure that it, it fit a certain mold. And because, again, Christians weren't involved as, as they should, they didn't support it as they should, because of money, they dropped out and things got darker and darker as we went. And so it is the absence of the light, it is the absence of Christian in any aspect of life, whether it's Hollywood or anything else, that causes the darkness to take, to take shape. Um, it is, you know, one of the things that I, I teach folks is this, it's the intensity of, to which you decide to burn that allows, because darkness can't abide, now you just stick on a light, darkness, it, it goes away. And so it's, it's really on our shoulders, it's, you know, it's, it's, we have to understand we have an, a, a, a call to answer in every aspect. And this is a, a particular one because this is where men get programmed, all right? Um, and so they don't call it that for nothing. But yes, it is di diametrically opposed to Christianity, but a lot of it has been because we've allowed darkness to come in because we were not there to be the answer or to be the director of it. Um, but what happened for me, at, you know, going back to when this was all happening, you know, there were things on, on the air that you could watch with your family. Yeah. There were family-friendly, uh, you know, uh, movies, you know, uh, what is it, the, the, um, uh, the midday uh, uh, film that was all about children and family, I mean, all that was going on. And so there was a lot of work that could be done, you know, without any issue whatsoever. And so when, by the time that I, that this situation uh, 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 occurred in my life was when it got to a point where we had, we had cable, the invention, the, 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 the uh, um, advent of cable um, made it, whereas you had a place now that people can, they can cuss, they can, they, they can be nude, they can do whatever. And, and the, the base thing of man gravitated to that. And so TV now was trying to keep or, or get in, uh, uh, keep its viewers, uh, keep in pace with cable. And so they were, they were the, the big uh, phrase of the day was push the envelope. Yeah. You know, and so they were pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope to see how much they can get, 
how much decadence they can get now on TV. And that's the era in which you find this happening to me. Um, because at that point in time, the whole partial body nudity was new to television. You know what I'm saying? You know, back nudity, that kind of stuff. Yes. And so um, that's why there was a lot that could be done. And still today, there are some things that can be done, not as much as used to be, you know? Um, and so you're finding less and less and, and it's getting darker and darker quicker. You know, we we're talking about, you know, prior to getting on, on, on the air here, we we're talking about the difference that the variance between not only a, a television show now that you can't watch because of all that's going on, but even the commercials you can't watch because of the same thing is going on. So that's how bad we've gotten. We can't, no, we, it, it, we're not even talking about just a TV show or, or a film. We're talking about a, a mere commercial. You can't allow your son or your daughter to watch a commercial. You have to make sure that you're there in between anything to make sure that you're causing them to at least know how to see what they see because they are normalizing debauchery. They're normalizing decadence. They're norm normalizing sin. And, and we have to, but we're the answer to that. And so what I see God, God doing right now is that he is overtaking the atmosphere through faith-based Christian-centered, Christ-centered uh, uh, films, growing uh, new, new stars that are bona fide Christians so that we can proclaim uh, a word to the masses. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful uh, to God for what he's done, because I, like I said, I never thought that those gifts and those talents I'd be able to use, and here I am able now as a Christian man to, to have acting be a part of the pulpit, you know? Mm -hmm. Now I can use that to uh, proclaim Christ and, and, I, and I'm grateful for it. Well, I, I want to take you back. You did an interview, I think it was around 2015 with a lady down in Atlanta. It was you and another lady. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use your turn of phrase. You said, let's address the elephant in the room. As black folk, you said, mm -hmm. we have not owned our identity. Mm, yes. And... It struck me that nobody, it, it, very few people today now own their identity. I think it's a case where Black Americans may be more aware of the fact that they don't own their identity because of the portrayal they've seen and they didn't like it. But Christians don't own our identity in, right. in, in, the, in the mainstream culture. We're the Ned Flanders, we're Frank Burns, we're, you know, always cast in a negative light. Correct. And so if you just speak to that, that the, you know, the discussion yeah. of identity and finding yourself. Yeah, you bring that, you, you're bringing up, um, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, you know, um, as, as Black people, as Christians, we have ne never really owned our own identity, meaning that we're not, we're not writing the narrative. And whenever someone else writes your narrative, you're always the dark horse. You're always the one that's, uh, you know, the, 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 the villain, the evil, the, the whatever. And so um, in, in this secular world, we have allowed the secular world to tell us what a Christian is. And so therefore, we're always the ones that are maniacal. We're always the, 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 the crazy ones. We're always the losers. We're always, you know, whatever. Um, and so you, if, if that's what you're going to do and allow the world to tell you what a Christian is, then that's what you're going to get. If you're a, a, a black person, especially a black male, oh my God, you know, you are the, you're the thug, you're, you're the criminal, you're the drug addict, you're the dealer. You're, I mean, you know, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, what, what's funny to me 
is that they they came up with a phrase, and the phrase the phrase that they use for for uh, for black people is well you know we have to come up with a, a black storyline. What's the black storyline? What does that mean? So you decided this is what this is the only thing that black people are. So we have to put them in that box. Well, the only problem is that's not true of anybody that I know that looks like me, and and so it's a storyline that you have. You know, and I bring this example because I have not found anything in recent past that is so uh, dramatically that so dramatically uh, uh, illustrates this point. God took three white men, made a movie about prayer, which which even the church don't go to. Made all the cast black. This movie was called War Room. Oh, yes. By the Kendricks. And made it a number one film. Yes. You can't tell me God can't do the impossible. Because, because Hollywood says if it's a black, if, if it's a if it's a all black cast or if it's leading black cast, it won't make any money. Well, he killed that one. You know, so if it's about prayer, nobody's gonna go. Well, he killed that one. And then he used three white men to do it. Well, it shows that three white men can actually, quote unquote, write a black storyline. <laughs> okay. The only issue is that they wrote a storyline that it could have been anybody and put black people in it. Why? Because that's the truth. In every area of life, black, white, purple, green, blue, Asian, uh, 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 indigenous, you name it. If you put people and make and treat them as people, they will be people. Right. And when you when you when you brand people as animals and you relegate them to being animals and you speak to them that they're animals to the point where you can actually kneel on somebody's neck and we have to go to court about it, as opposed to just say, you know what, that was murder. Right. Come on, man. If that was you, you can't do that to a white guy in broad daylight on his neck for nine minutes. And for it not be murder. So we've got that's a point that we've gotten to. And until we say we have created something that, that is totally anti-Christ in nature, then we as a church can't be the answer that we're supposed to be. And so that's what we find ourselves, whether it's in um, film and television, whether it's in politics, whether it's just natural everyday life. That's the elephant in the room. And I think that, you know, when the Bible talks about out of one blood, he created us all. Um, we as a church now have to get back to that one blood and, and be an answer that we're supposed to be by being an example of that answer and not just a talker of that example. Awesome. Now, I wanted to ask another question that came from another interview I saw with you. And you were speaking to me because you, you, you broke down you're coming to Christ into there was the moment of your salvation. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about conversion. Yes. As though it's a separate entity, just to throw in my own personal testimony. I, I said the sinner's prayer, uh, the summer I was turning 16. And then I was the seed among the thorns. Mm -hmm. And it got choked out. Mm -hmm. And I didn't start to come back to my faith until the age of 40. I'm 55 now. Mm -hmm. I had a grounding in the faith. Right. 
I'd had it poured, I'd had the word poured into me from a young age. Nowadays, so many kids out there, I work with a woman, I used to work with a woman who had never been in church before. And so she has no idea what's being talked about. Mm -hmm. So how did you come to faith? And can you talk about this salvation, conversion, and how it applies in today's world where so many people have no grounding in the Christian faith? Yeah, you know, a um, couple of things that just come to mind right off the bat. You know, um, Jesus said to Peter, um, when you're converted, <laughs> strengthen your brothers. You know, when, when you get strong, strengthen your brothers. You know, when you, when you get a clue, strengthen your brothers, you know. And so um, there is a, a complete, I, I believe, a complete difference between um, saying a sinner's prayer, getting quote-unquote saved, and being converted. Jesus did not send us here to open new churches. Um, he sent us here to make disciples. And so what happens is that very few congregational settings understand discipleship and so what happened to me is that um i, I was in a competition a young lady who, who was who was uh born again uh convinced me to to get on stage and sing this song it, it was a song that was uh back in the day it was called woman don't you know with you i'm born again she changed it to jesus don't you know with you i'm born again and here i am i don't know nothing about jesus and so here i'm on this stage singing jesus don't you know i'm with you i'm born again but through her i i received christ but then the only person that I knew in my life that I could point to that knew about Christ, so I thought, was this gentleman that I knew in college. So when I went back uh, from the competition, went back to school, I, I searched him out. And so he, he took me to a church that he went to, and it was Disciples of Christ, so more, more or less Church of Christ, rather. And, um, and they taught me how to get saved every Sunday. Never discipled me. Never taught me how to live, never taught me the word of God, never, never, never trained me in this new man that I was. Um, but they just taught me how to get saved. So basically for five years, I had I had received Christ. I had changed on the inside in the sense of I now, now I had a conscience. I knew the difference between right and wrong. I knew what was sin and what was not. I I knew that I was different on the inside, but I also knew I couldn't, I didn't know how to live it. And so for five years, I kept on living like I used to, though I was dying on the inside. I didn't, you know, how Paul says, the wretched man that I am. I did not know how to stop being the old me. I just knew that there was a new me on the inside. But they didn't, you know, it was sanctified by the, by the truth, right? But we, there was no sanctification process in that, in, in that church. And so they knew about getting people saved, I guess, but they didn't know about making them disciples. And I, and I believe discipleship it has to do with conversion. And so for five years, I was in torment as a quote-unquote saved man. But, in, uh, but on the outside, you, there was absolutely no difference, no change. The only thing that is, is that I had a, uh, um, a tormenting inside because I knew that I was wrong. Yeah. And so um, when I went to New York at, at the end of those five years, I... Um, um, was part of this thing called Models of Christ that somebody invited me to. Um, and, and even the way that that happened, let me, you know, this is a, a fun tidbit. The way that that ha happened was that I was uh, with an agent, in, in, um modeling agent in, in, um, in New York. And this guy who's like 6'2", drop dead gorgeous white guy, just, I mean, 
bam. I mean, but he's a real Christian, okay? And um, we're both talking to our agent, and he's inviting me, inviting her to Miles for Christ, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she knew he was a Christian, and I said, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian. And she looked at me, she goes, you are? I, I didn't know that. And it just, a dagger hit me in the heart, you know? And so, and so that's one of the ways that God got me to this place. And so uh, I go to this meeting and they had a Messianic Jew that came to preach. And this guy lit into the word. I mean, fire into the word. And God grabbed me like I had never been grabbed before. And um, my life changed from that moment on. And from that point, I was in search of this God that that held on to me for for, for dear life, and uh, I was not on a on a on a search. Right after that, I ended up going back to Miami, doing Miami Vice, and stayed with my mom. And she talked to me about the Holy Spirit, and I ended up being filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, that was dry, that you know, poof, so this is, everything else just lit on fire. Then, and frankly, I've never been the same since. Everything after that point was me patterning myself after the Word. Uh, everything about then from that point had been me um, now digging deep into being a Christian, a Christ-like one. Um, and that has not changed. I, 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 you know, I, I know, you know, you, you, got, you got to watch yourself. That's you, you know, the minute you think that you can't fall, you, you will. I mean, that, <laughs> but, but the thing about it is that I don't, you know, I would rather die than not have Jesus you know I don't it, I would have re rather not have career you know have Jesus because now I know too much now I've seen too much now he's done too much for me to just you know walk away on a whim well the movie that I was introduced to you as an actor was Overcomer Yes, sir. I, li I live up in a little town called Brighton, Ontario, which is in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> about two hours past Toronto. And I consume a lot of Christian content and I'm seeing the ads come up. And I saw the ad uh, for uh, Hannah sitting mm -hmm. there writing down all the things right. you are saved, you are loved, you are redeemed, you are. And I said, I have to see this movie. And as chance would have it, we went down to upstate. We went down to New Jersey where I'd spent some years growing up. Wow. And I looked in the paper and said, we're staying an extra night. And you had my little guy now six jumping up and down when you said, <coughs> okay, my daughter, track her down. <laughs> he was jumping up and down. But Overcomer is a movie where... You, the the girl playing Hannah, the girl playing your daughter, uh -huh. that was her first acting job. It was, and she did a stellar, uh, gave a stellar performance. Uh, amazing performance. I'm wondering how much were you uh, of an acting coach during the filming of this? <laughs> well, one thing that I try to do the 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 the, the mantra, if you would, of our company, Camionette Studios, Caps, is many hats, one mind. And so we wear many hats, but only one mind governs it. And so what I try to do, to be honest with you, is that I try to keep the cap on that I'm supposed to have. And so when I, when I go on a set, if I'm a director, I'm a director. If I'm an actor, I'm an actor. If I'm a producer, I'm a producer. I try not to get in anybody's way 
And so, you know, she was in the hands of someone that knew what they were doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Alex Kendrick is second to none. And so um, all of that was his doing, you know, um, great writing, great directing, great storytelling. These guys are the real deal. And what I, what I say about them all the time is that not only do they put together, do they put together a good story and, and do good films, but they're also living the life, a life that's worthy of being emulated. And so we, uh, my wife and I, we appreciate having them in our lives and, and watching and being able to uh, see how they live their lives in the process because um, it's not just good, good, good filmmaking. It's not just good movie telling. Come here, awesome. Adrian. My, my, this is the eight-year-old, yeah. six at the time, jumping up and down when, it, when, when you said, "Go ahead. That, that's Mr. Arnett." Hello. Stand here. Stand here. How he, are you? He wanted to ask you a, a couple questions if he could. Exactly. Oh man, please. Go ahead. What are the person good parts of of the movie? Of the movie, or if you're in a movie, what are the good, fun parts to do, and what are the bad parts to do? Wow. Um, well, you know the 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 fun part. To be honest with you, the 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 one that gives me the most joy is knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Um, without a doubt, in my mind, this is the door that God opened. It's what He chose, and so He's using me as a vessel in this arena. I don't. I don't look at this arena as something to be chased after, none of that. And so for me, the greatest thing is that I know that I am exactly where God wants me. Um, so that that takes all the worries, all the problems, all the issues, all the doubts out of the way because God made it clear. That's the one. Um, that's the best thing. Um, What's the worst part? <laughs> the worst part, to be that honest. That sounds like the best part. What? That, that, that quite literally sounds like the best part. That's the best part. Okay, the worst part, um, in all honesty, you know, I, my wife and I have been married for 25, 24 years, uh, been together 25. And, um, and in the beginning of our, our, our marriage, we decided to stay in, in one place for seven years. We had one car. We, we forged a relationship that was so tight at the beginning that now, it's like God is using us and we're everywhere, but we're always one. And, and um, the first time I had to stay away from my wife for 20 days um, doing a role, I think that was probably the worst part. Um, and I'm, right now I'm, I'm doing a series and I'll probably be gone for like six weeks. So I think the worst part for me is the time that I have to spend away from my wife. Okay. Um, the, the thing that's make, that's, that makes me able to do that without any issues is like a, is the first thing. I know this is what God wants me to do. And he gave me a wife that is such a support, that is so one, that we're so one together that distance is not something that separates us. You know, um, by the grace of God, we can, you know, we do the Zoom, we do all this stuff in between uh, that makes it a lot easier. But I, I love being married. I love being a father. I love family. I love, you know, uh, the, the, the body of Christ, the family of God. I love, you know, it's like, you know, we're in a time now, everybody's just disconnected, you know, the whole COVID, whatever. But I love connection, you know, and so that, that would be the worst thing, I think. Well, you, you, Adrian, did you want, do you remember your other question? Yeah. How many movies have you been in? Since 2013, 
I believe I've done at least 30, 31 films, you know, and I, when I say films, I mean uh, uh, movies and TV series, you know, um, um, so it's, 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 it's been phenomenal. Um, I am extremely blessed, very grateful, and God is continues to show himself faithful. And, and I know that we're just getting started. So um, I, I really appreciate it. Well, um, you mentioned your wife. Mm -hmm. And if, if it wasn't for her, and it's her company, I believe Proverbs 31 Management is her company, is it not? Correct. She is my manager. And, we, you know, we do have some other people that we manage as well. But Proverbs 31 Management uh, at gmail.com is if you want to get in touch with her or with me and that kind of thing as far as anything else uh, um, in the future. But um, my wife is God's gift to me. You know, um, when he said that he will give you a help that's meat for you, that's exactly what he did. He, he, he doesn't mix words. Well, it's, we just had Mother's Day, so a lot of people would have been at church on Sunday. And a lot of sermons highlighted Proverbs 31. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds, uh, sounds like a fitting name for, for, for a company. It, you know, it, it, you know it, again, it is for her because it emanates from the inside. Um, when, when the scriptures say that, that a husband would, would, would benefit all the days of his life, his, he would have trust, he has trust in her. That's who that lady is. Um, um, I am, oh, I am more than grateful, man. I, I, I can't, I can't express to you, um, how much God has shown me that he loves me by giving me someone that actually loves me as much as, I can't say as much as he does, but you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I can't say that. But, but you know, I, I said to my wife one time, you know, we're, we're talking and I said to her, you know, if I died right now, he is my a great reward that I've had from God, that I know what it's like to be loved by a person on the earth. Um, because she's, she's shown me that over and over again. Um, and so I'm, I'm more than grateful. I, I really have one more question for you. For you, vous êtes un natif de Haïti, Port-au-Prince. Est-ce que vous parlez français plus que le patois de Haïti? Eh bien, moi parle créole, mais ça qui arrive, l'homme te pitchi. Nous pas, nous pas qu'à parler créole, c'est français. Nous nous parler like I know. So, moi parler créole kounia, moi parler le plus que français, parce que c'est pas le cas parler, mais mais kounia, c'est à quoi moi parler créole net. I was telling your wife that I speak mostly Quebecois French. Yeah. Which is a patois of itself. And I said, you right. and I trying to talk to each other in French would be like a guy from the outback of Australia trying to talk to someone in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it is, uh, you know, it is that different because what happens when I, when I, when I listen now, because right now I've been in, in America most of my life. So what happens is that I only, I think in English. Yes. So when I hear French, I have to translate it from French to English for me to understand. And so sometimes it makes me kind of, it makes it slow. And so when I, when I, when I talk to somebody who speaks it fluently and fast, it's hard because I'm trying to make out words because I have to translate it now. Um, okay. And, and, and I guess Creole has become easier because, like I, like I was saying, you know, as, as a young person, you weren't allowed to speak 
Creole to your elders because it was considered disrespectful. So I, and when I was a child, I had to speak French back, even though I heard Creole, but I never really heard French. I only spoke French. So now it's almost like Creole kind of fits on the inside, but French doesn't. So, you know, I, cause now I speak Creole to my mom whenever I speak to her, you know, in, 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 in you know, when I, cause I'm, you know, I was trying to get her to speak English, but when I speak to her, to her, you know, she, cause she does the, um, reverting back and forth, you know, you know, uh, she'll be talking in English and before she knows that she's speaking Creole, she doesn't even realize she's speaking Creole to somebody, you know, she does that to my wife all the time, but, you know, but, um, yeah, so I, I, I enjoy speaking to her and that, that's why I still have it in, in my repertoire. Well, you're, you're doing more than just movies now. You're ministering, you, you know, you're serving as an apostle to the word. How do people connect with you? We mentioned uh, Proverbs 31, mm -hmm. management at gmail.com. Right. Are there other avenues, other websites? Yeah, they can go ahead and uh, check, out, check me out at cameronarnett.com. And they can also follow me on, on Instagram at Cameron Arnett, Cameron Arnett Actor and also on Facebook as Cameron Arnett Actor. And so any of those places, uh, we can go ahead and connect and, and, and keep in touch. One thing I, I wanted to ask you, Cameron, real quick is, is there an app or a streaming service where people can turn to it? Because, you know, growing up, you'd have to get like these faith-based entertainments like on VHS at the Christian bookstore. Like it wasn't readily available. Is there an app that you recommend or a streaming service or how do people look up these, you know, faith-based uh, TV shows, films, family-based? Well, you know, I mean, there, there are a, a, a couple of places that are mainly Christian. You know, of course, at the top of, of the line right now is Pure Flix. You know, so anybody who wants to see what's going on, I, I recommend that you check out Pure Flix. There's another one called Salt Flix that people can go to as well and um and and there are a couple of other streaming services redeem tv um, um aspire i believe is is one so there are uh, quite a few you know different ones now and, and i and i think that this is the next um frontier if you would because because what god has done is created now a lot of content and so um now we're uh, pressing into all the different platforms, the same way that you see Apple and, 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 and uh, Netflix and all these other things that are out there from a secular uh, side, I believe that you'll see in the next couple of years uh, quite a few Christian platforms that are vying in, in, in that arena that uh, are, are making the, um, um, the content that Christians are, are, are um, building more, uh, uh, more available. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. Every movie you've done, every movie I've seen you in, mm -hmm. Same here. I, I, I need a box of Kleenex. <laughs> Overcomer. <laughs> these are the three movies I've seen that you've done. Overcomer, um, uh, the uh, Jeremy Camp story. Um, I still believe. I still believe. And Tulsa. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Uh, but you're going to wipe me out emotionally at the end of all these movies because they are so, they're yeah, they get conscious. They, they get you. You know, um, check out check out Discarded Things. Okay. Um, gosh, man, there are quite a few. One just came out, Running the Bases. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because now I've done so many of them so fast that it's like I have to go back to my IMDb to even remember 
<laughs> you know, but there are quite a few that are that have already been shot, already been done, that haven't come out yet. And so, um, yeah, check out IMDb, you know, Cameron on Ed on IMDb, and you'll be able to tell what's coming up next. Mm. Great. Anyway, I, I've got nothing else. Cameron, do you, anything you want to plug? Um, Christ over career. Make sure that you're making Christ first, keeping you at the helm. It's all about Jesus being Lord. Anything that 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 has a problem at all, you'll find that Jesus is not Lord in that area. So, so He wants us to be just like Him in every uh, in every way. Um, and so, you know, make Him Lord once again, and 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 things will fall into place. All right, great. Thanks so much, Cameron. Really appreciate it. God bless you guys. <laughs>